Our first reading this morning comes from Psalm 138, which can be found on page 577 of your pew Bible. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods, I sing your praise. I bow down towards your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love, for your faithfulness. For you have exalted your name and your word above everything. On the day I called, you answered me. You increased my strength of soul. All the kings of the earth shall praise you, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth. They shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for the great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he perceives from far away. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve me against the wrath of my enemies. You stretch out your hand, and your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. The word of God for the people of God. We have another member of the choir. We're open to more members of the choir. Thank you, Pam. Thank you, choir. Thank you, Martha. <clears throat> Someone's been messing with my stand. Our second scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5. Verses 1 through 11, I invite you to actively listen or to read along in your pew Bible. Once, while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put it out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long and have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. 
But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Is the mic good or do I need to change the battery? Okay. Okay. Aliens. Sunspots. (laughs) Whatever. We are probably familiar with this story. This story happens to be in all three synoptic gospels. But this Luke version is drastically different. In Matthew and Mark's story, Jesus sees men fishing and says, Follow me, I will make you fishers of men. But in Luke, there is great detail. So much detail that the story in Luke is almost absurd. It's ridiculous if you really begin to think about it. Simon Peter is a fisherman. He is a businessman, actually, in the business of fishing, which is incredibly hard work. And after an entire night of hard work, they have caught nothing. And while cleaning their nets, Jesus asked if he could borrow their boat to use as a pulpit of sorts to keep the crowd at a distance. I get the impression Jesus just wanted his own personal space. And after his sermon, Jesus says, Hey guys, thanks for letting me use your boat. Let's go out into deeper waters and catch some fish. It will be my way of saying thank you. And I can't imagine what Simon is actually thinking. Man, we just cleaned the nets. I don't want to get them dirty again. Jesus, we've been fishing all night, and we are tired and hungry, and we really just want to go home. Hey, Jesus, (laughs) this is totally the wrong time of day to be fishing. And by the way, Jesus, you're not a fisherman. I am. Now, I don't know if Simon was really thinking all that, Because what he says is, sure, if you say so, we'll go. And Jesus shows the guys up by catching fish. In the middle of the day when 
one normally doesn't catch fish. After a fishless night, Simon Peter is stunned because Jesus has caught so many fish in the middle of the afternoon, and Jesus doesn't know anything about fishing. Now, some people are just naturally inclined for certain activities and certain skills. They just have gifts, and perhaps Jesus was just naturally great at fishing. You, most of you probably remember my dog Stone, who loved to fetch. He had a natural inclination for ball catching, okay? One that I have seen few other dogs have, and I personally will never have. Or perhaps we all know, are familiar with Randall Johnson, the amazing Green Spring musician who has gifted us many a times, who can seriously play just about any instrument. We have heard him on piano, we have heard him on the organ. What you may not know is throughout the week he comes by and he's always carrying different instruments in his hand. Like one time I see him, he's like carrying a cello and the next time he's carrying a flute and one time he came in my office and is like, hey, Pastor Holly, can I play your violin? I'm like, do you know how? He's like, no. And then I hear him in the other room and he's just fiddling away. He's just naturally inclined at music. And I don't know about you, but those kind of people bother me. <laughs> they don't have to be so good. And Jesus shows the, the guys up by catching all this fish. In the middle of the day, when one normally doesn't catch fish. And then, then they leave the fish on the side of the lake to follow Jesus. Anytime our sacred texts share a grandiose theme or perhaps is disjointed or illogical, it is usually a sign to take a closer look. And we hear of several grandiose, disjointed, analogical themes and teachings in the Bible. Jesus certainly does many strange things, like riding triumphantly into Jerusalem on a donkey, not a grand steed, and then driving the money changers out of the sacred temple. And Jesus says strange things like prostitutes and tax collectors and other sinners will enter heaven before the so-called religious folk. Or we hear in Matthew, whoever wishes to be great among you must be your servant. Whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all, like Jesus. And yes, whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. Jesus has a strange ethic. The more you give away, the more you have, it just doesn't always add up. We often hear this text as a missional text. Go out and make disciples. And although I see that message in this text, it also just seems a little bit too obvious. And I believe there is a deeper message to us and to the church. 
We don't see the forest for the trees. Back in my home church, back in Lubbock, Texas, where I grew up, Second Baptist Church, it was after I had moved to, to Tennessee, but they were, they, they wanted to build a new building, they wanted to move where all the new people were moving to, and they purchased a piece of land. And everything that the church did had to do with the new property. Sermons and meetings and Bible studies, all geared at building the new church. We even had a youth event called the Mud Bowl on this property. And uh, we just cleared dirt and put lots of water on it and played in the mud. It was fantastic. But after a while, sermons and Bible studies and programming weren't very inspiring, and people actually stopped coming on Sundays. And when people stopped coming on Sundays, well, the offering went down, and the church never got built. And about this time is when I did go off to college in Nashville, and a few years later, I was talking to a friend that I went to church with there, and I asked about Second B, as we called it. And they said, the church is finally built. I said, how? Well, we stopped worrying about building the new church and focused on doing church. And well, the people came back, and with the people came money, and that was raised, and well, now we have a new church building. Too often, our at times, our churches run like the grease factory, wanting to get people in the doors so that they can feed the grease machine, treating faithful Christians as commodities that go to pay the building note or the light bill or the minister. I think I've shared this analogy of the grease factory. It's a grease factory, and all it does is produce grease. And someone one day is walking through, and they ask, what do you use all this grease for? And they said, oh, well, we need the grease to keep the grease factory working. We leave the church to be about self-preservation instead of living out Jesus' teachings in the world. And the church in many ways is a business, but the business of the church should always be the conduit for the larger and more important things like living out our faith. And we can get so caught up with the business of church, of what we think needs to happen, that we forget what really matters. And we forget to be and do church. And this doesn't just happen with the church. It, of course, happens in our lives. And we get so stressed and annoyed and overworked that we forget what really matters. And we know what really matters. We know what it means to be fully alive. Jesus doesn't say, follow me. 
Instead, Jesus says, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. Literally, he says, you will be catching alive people. But the deeper meaning, the meaning below the surface, the meaning we are called to do in Christian community, known as 7th Street Christian Church, the meaning that restores our courage, that gives us what we need to leave everything behind to follow is this. You will be captivating people with life. You will be reviving them. You will be restoring them to life and strength, catching them alive and pouring even more life into them. And we realize if we are restoring others to life and strength, then it must be that we will be filled with life too. So in all we do in our daily lives, in all that we currently do and pray to do and have vision to do here at 7th Street Christian Church, let us remember the one whose life calls and inspires the work that we are called to. The inviting Jesus, the captivating Jesus, the one who wants to heal our broken hearts and bind up our wounds, who is longing to welcome us to his table who is ready right now to restore our sight and release us from captivity and teach us to walk and restore us to a new and better life. And so we do it. We drop the net and we follow. Thanks be to God.